0: This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1332. I have cellulite, and I still love my body. By Naghar Fanuni of nigharfanuni.com, and I'm Dr. Neil. Welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, or welcome for the first time if you're new here. This is the podcast where I act as your very own personal narrator and read to you from some of the most popular health and fitness blogs online. For a lot more blogs being narrated for you, check out Optimal Living Daily. You can search and find that podcast wherever you're listening to this. And with that, let's get right to today's post as we optimize your life. I have cellulite and I still love my body. By Nehar Fanuni of neharfanuni.com. I have cellulite and I still love my body. Can you imagine? Loving your body despite its very common and normal imperfections. Giving yourself grace instead of giving yourself... Speaking to yourself with kindness and compassion rather than disgust and disappointment. Thankfully for me, this is a reality. I do love my body at every stage of its existence. I do feel powerful in my skin despite the presence of cellulite, gray hair, and wrinkles. I do believe that I can love myself and still strive to be a higher expression of my being. I'll be honest with you, a few years ago, I couldn't imagine such a possibility. The mere idea that I would ever not refer to myself as a quote-unquote work in progress was just completely out of reach. The concept that I would ever feel comfortable in my body, as is, was extremely foreign. And what's especially sad about this is that I'm not alone in this line of thinking. Those who engage in negative self-talk and succumb to societal pressures of perfection are the majority, not the minority. In fact, most of the people I know either feel ashamed of their bodies or have felt ashamed at some point in their lives. This is the fundamental struggle of the modern person and it's total BS. It's total BS that we should ever feel unworthy based on whether or not we have abs or the media considers our body bikini ready. It's total BS that folks all over the world feel less than based on their body fat, their weight, or the presence of cellulite. It's total BS that we aren't standing powerfully and unapologetically in our own skin because that, in truth, is our natural environment. We are all powerful and unique in our own right, and our worthiness is not debatable. It isn't determined by our body, our career, or the number of likes we get on Instagram posts. It doesn't decrease as our body fat and age increase. It can't be challenged unless we allow it to be. So what gives? Why are so many of us allowing our worthiness to be challenged by our bodies, our status, and our age? Why are we trading in our inherent power for feelings of never good enough? I believe it's a combination of childhood trauma, external pressure, and societal conditioning. But perhaps an even more relevant question, how do we stop this madness? We stop the madness by committing to the work. I won't presume to tell you that it's as easy as making the choice to love your body and own your power. I won't lie to you and tell you that all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, I love you. Because the only thing more BS than our loss of worthiness is the idea that you can simply reclaim it with trite notes and positive thinking. Reclaiming your worthiness is hard, painful, committed work. Sure, you have to first make the decision to love your body and reclaim your power. And yes, reversing the way you speak to yourself and welcoming in expressions of self-love are worthwhile strategies but the real work happens when we touch the painful places that brought us out of our worthiness in the first place. If we really want to step back into our power and take back our worth, we have to be willing to open wounds, lean into pain, and ask difficult questions. And this, I believe, is what so many people who encourage us to just love ourselves are neglecting to tell us. Learning to love yourself can really hurt, and we have to get a little uncomfortable so that we can truly heal. We have to develop the courage to look deeply into the abyss and reframe the entire narrative that led us into unworthiness. We have to relinquish our role as a victim in our story and even strip those who hurt us of their villain roles. We have to be willing to strip ourselves bare and face all of the painful, ugly thoughts that we've given so much power. Reclaiming our worthiness is work, but it's the most worthwhile work we can do. How to begin the work. Choose love. I know I said it's not as simple as just choosing, but choosing is an important step in the process. Yes, there is work to be done and fun to be had, but none of this work can commence until we make the choice to stop being a victim of our past, our narrative, or our external environment. A powerful way to commit to this choice is to create your own personal mantra. Your mantra should reflect feelings of love, power, worthiness, and compassion, but it can be as simple as, I choose to stand in my power. Mantras are extremely powerful because they provide a simple tool to bring us back to a space of worthiness. Face demons. Remember the work I was talking about? This is the meat of it right here. For so many of us, wounds of our childhood have kept us from feeling a real sense of connection, belonging, and self-acceptance. Childhood trauma comes in all shapes and sizes, from the more obvious atrocities, such as physical and physical abuse, to the less obvious, such as enmeshment, neglect, abandonment, and perfectionism. Going into our past to face our root wounds is painful, scary, and extremely powerful. But it gives us the chance to reframe our narrative, letting go of victim and villain roles and truly hold space for our child selves. In my experience as a coach, opening these wounds can take us right back to the moment when we felt abandoned, abused, and neglected. So it's important that we're prepared to lean in and not run in the other direction. Practice compassion. In every possible opportunity, practice extreme self compassion. This means that sometimes you have to leave the dishes in the sink, skip a workout, or eat a cheeseburger and not give yourself endless for it. It requires trust in your ability to care for yourself and a constant reaffirmation that shame and disgust are not effective tools for change. Compassion is a daily commitment and is one of the most powerful tools you can use to shift your mindset, especially when it comes to your body. One of the easiest way to do this is pull out your journal every morning and write down three things at which you are totally kicking you know what. This shifts your focus from the things you beat yourself up about to the things that make you feel accomplished and alive. Channel your energy into things that make you feel powerful. Channeling your energy into how your body looks is an intention destined for failure. All this does is make your body your main focus and keeps you from seeing how much you have to offer the world. A more advantageous approach is to direct your energy towards things that make you feel powerful, things that aren't at all affected by your cellulite, body fat, or other imperfections. I channel my energy into writing, as well as specific strength goals that have nothing to do with my cellulite or body fat. Through these activities, I harness my energy in ways that make me feel accomplished instead of ways that break me down. The fact that I can use my writing and my stand on physical strength to help empower people all over the world is so much more meaningful to me than a number on the scale could ever be. You just listened to the post titled, I have cellulite and I still love my body. By Neckar Fanuni, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform Dr. Neal again here for some of my comments. I agree with Miss Venuti that just making the choice often isn't enough to actually change your mentality. I agree, it's a great first step, but to make that new mentality a reality, you have to do something. You have to do the work. You have to make it concrete. And so I love her suggestion to journal. When you actually look at studies, studies based on happiness, for example, studies on shifting mentality and attitudes, what we're learning is, writing things down can lead to that shift. Dr. Sean Acor of Harvard University likes to study happiness. And one of his suggestions is simply jot down every day, one, two, up to five things even that you are grateful for. And through his research, he's found that it actually helps change one's mindset. How? Well, he says, you're refocusing your attention on things that are good. Instead of constantly focusing on the bad stuff that's happening, You're retraining your brain. You're strengthening that muscle that basically says, I'm now looking for things that I'm grateful for. I'm now looking out into the world with a new lens. That's why journaling can be so powerful. In fact, I have students today who still tell me that even though they started a gratitude journal last year in one of my classes, they still do it every day. And they found that it really has changed their view of the world. All right, and that'll do it for today. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing this show with someone. I'll be back here tomorrow as usual. So I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits.